Yes, all aboard. It's the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. And the train is building up ahead of steam. So grab your ticket. It's free. Get on board. This train will be picking up passengers along the way. Taking you on a sports journey. So, enjoy the ride. It's the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Your conductor, Anthony Smith. Hey, what's happening? It's Rick Thomas with Running the Table, and you already know you are on board the A-Train. Hang on for the ride. Welcome to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast on the weekend, and... Today, there's a lot to get to. We're going to take a look back at some college basketball that took place here locally, Wichita State, as they once again knocked off the Tulsa Golden Hurricane. Also, we're going to be diving into some NFL, a look at some college football. And today's episode is coming up a little bit later on. I will actually have a guest r slash co-host on so i'm looking forward to that but right now i want to take a look at game that was previously played as a matter of fact i want to look at the conference which is the american athletic conference and right now the standings as they look uh atop that division Ranked number 11th in the country, the Houston Cougars. Right behind them, the Wichita State Shockers in second place. Half game out of first. Remember, this from a team predicted to take seventh in the conference. Then you have the Tulsa Golden Hurricanes, who Wichita State just beat this past Wednesday night. Fourth place team, which is a team which Wichita State will be playing coming up next Wednesday. The Memphis Tigers, right behind them in the fifth spot, the SMU Tigers, a game that Wichita State was supposed to have played against on Sunday. However, that game has been postponed due to some corona issues. Coming in at the sixth spot, South Florida, the you have the Temple Isles. You have the Tulane Green Wave, East Carolina Pirates, UCF Knights, and coming up at the bottom is the Cincinnati Bearcats. So, what are we looking at now? We're going to see if we can pull up some conference stats, if possible. 
And basically, we will start at the top with the Houston Cougars. The last game that the Cougars played, Houston beat Tulane. 71 to 50. Their top performers thus far during this season. You're looking at Quentin Grimes, who is averaging 17.7 points a game. DeJohn Giroux, another guard on the team, he's averaging 3.5 assists per game. And Marcus Sasser is their top field goal percentage with 40.2% per game. The team stats, they're averaging 73.1 points per game. They are rebounding, and that's on national level, that's 173rd. Rebounds per game, they are at 42.4 rebounds per game, and that's 12th nationally. Uh... They're averaging at right around 11.2 assists per game. And they're only allowing 56.4 points per game. Which is why they are on the national radar. As we go back... The next team we look at will be the team that is right behind them. A team that actually had them on the ropes, but costly mistakes ended up hurting them. Wichita State Shockers. Their last game, as mentioned, they beat Tulsa 72 to 53. As we pull up the report on that game, Morris Udesi and Tyson Etienne scored 20 points apiece as Wichita State topped Tulsa 72-53 on Wednesday night. The 20 points were a career high for Udesi, who was six of seven shooting and added eight rebounds. Ricky Council, the fourth, had 11 points for Wichita State, 8-3, and 4-1 in the American Athletic Conference, which earned its fourth straight home victory. Altariq Gilbert added eight assists. Darian Jackson had 12 points and nine rebounds for the Golden Hurricanes, 7-4, 4-2, whose six-game winning streak came to an end. Elijah Joyner added 11 points. Brandon Richel had seven rebounds. Wichita State defeated Tulsa 69-65 on December the 15th. So for the season now, that means Wichita State has swept Tulsa, which if it comes down to the tiebreaker, if they're end up tied, let's say they end up tied for second, Wichita State would have that number two seed in the conference tournament. As for 
top performers for the Shockers. Right now, they're being led in scoring by guard Tyson Etienne at 17.9 points per game. Alteric Gilbert is their assist leader at 3.6 assists per game. And as far as field goal percentage, Morshu Desi is at 58.5% from the field. As a whole, the team averages 74.2 points a game, which is 152nd in the country. They are rebounding at 40.9 a game, which is 38th nationally. They are at 12.8 assists per game and points allowed 67.2 per game. So there you have the scoop on Wichita State. Their next game coming up, as we mentioned, will be against Memphis. So let's take a look through the conference now. As we look at Tulsa now, it's four and two in the conference. And their leading score is Brandon Richel, averaging 14.8 points per game. Elijah Johnson, their other guard, is averaging 4.1 assists per game and leading in that category. Darian Jackson is shooting at 72.7% field goal percentage. Their team stats, they're averaging 68.7 points per game. Their rebounding is at 374 this per game, 14.9 to rank 105th nationally in that category, and they are allowing 61.3 points per game. One thing I didn't do was I didn't look at the recruits for the other teams for their 2021 recruits, but it looked like Tulsa assigned a power forward named Tim Dalger. A shooting guard, Gavin El Camille, and also another shooting guard, Sterling Gaston Chapman. So those the, those are their recruits for right now. I think what I'm going to do, I'm going to go ahead and back up and pull Wichita State back up and see what they have on their recruiting agenda. And what we see here, they are showing no recruits for the upcoming 2021 recruiting season. So, it could be the fact that, you know, due to the fact that they have an interim coach, 
and that makes it kind of uncertain. And at the same time, you're looking at a team due to the NCAA rules that were made that they will allow for players to come back for another year. And the way this team is playing for Coach Isaac Brown right now, they should wonder, would there be any open spots? If this team comes back, it bodes well for Coach Isaac Brown because you have developed your team chemistry. You've developed chemistry with coach and players. And the way this team is playing now, it can only get better next year if this team comes back intact next year. So let's go ahead and take a look at Memphis now. Memphis, which is coached by Penny Hardaway. Landers Nolly II, their guard, is leading them with 13.3 points a game. Alex Lomax is averaging four assists per game as their top assist man, and their top field goal percentage man is Musa Cease at center, at shooting at a 50% clip. As a team, they're averaging 72.1 points per game, and they're averaging 41.5 rebounds per game. So they are a rebounding team. That's 27th nationally. Uh, 15.9 assists per game, which ranks 63rd nationally. They're only allowing 64.1 points per game. So they get after it on the defensive end. Their recruits look like this. Josh Manat, a shooting forward, he's committed, hasn't signed yet. Jordan Nesbitt, a shooting, a small forward, has signed. And then you also have Sam Iamide, a center, committed, and a power forward, John Camden, also committed. So that's the scoop on Memphis. And Memphis is the next opponent of the Wichita State Shockers. A team that the Shockers were supposed to play, SMU, but that game got postponed until a later date. They are led by Kendrick Davis, who averages 19 points per game. Also doing everything from thus far, Kendrick Davis averaging 7.7 assists per game. So it looks like not only can he score, but he can also distribute as well, too. Field goal percentage leader is Farron Hunt at 53.7%. The team as a whole, 79.2 points a game. So they like to try to get up and down the court. And that's 65th nationally. Rebounds per game, 39.6. That's 63rd nationally. Assists per game, tied for 31st, 17.1. Points allowed, 67.1 points per game. 
and their recruits for the following season. Zurich Phelps, a point guard, already signed, and Jalen Smith also signed a point guard. So there's the scoop on SMU. And those are your top five teams in the ACE in the AAC. So what I'm going to do now here is I am going to pause. And when I come back, I should have my guest on the phone. And I will let him introduce himself to you. So stay tuned to the A-Train Sports Talk podcast. This is your conductor, Anthony Smith. Anthony Smith here with A-Train Sports Talk Podcast, your conductor. Just want to let you know that this podcast is listener-supported. That's right, driven by you, the listener, who wants to support. So click on that support button down there. You have three options, $0.99 a month, $4.99 a month, or $9.99 a month. We'll get your ad rent on this podcast. So click the support button. Your support will be greatly appreciated. Once again, Anthony Smith with the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Want to enhance your workout? Try the workout bands everyone is talking about. Three different resistance levels. Light, medium, and heavy. Only at www.kakeybums.com That's www.kakeybums.com www.kakeybums.com To enhance your workout, with the resistance bands that everyone is talking about. Hey, what's happening? It's Rick Thomas with Running the Table, and you already know you are on board the A-Train. Hang on for the ride. Welcome back into my next episode. I was waiting to have my caller, my guest on, but we're going to push that back another time. So what I'm going to do now is go ahead and look into the, get us set for the playoffs. And what I want to do is give you a flashback. It will have a little music bed up under it, but it's a flashback. To 1999. Maybe you can figure it out. So much things on this young man's shoulders, it seems almost unfair. Thomas again. Off that, he's the leg, turning all the way to the end 
And yes, that was clip from October the 2nd, 1999. A game in which the Michigan Wolverines beat the Purdue Boilermakers 38-12. to I think I've seen Desmond Howard playing that game. Who's no longer playing the game? But can you tell me who those two teams were quarterbacked by? Since this isn't a call-in show, I guess I'll have to go ahead and tell you. Purdue, who's on the losing end, and how ironic, the two quarterbacks that will be facing off, he's wearing those identical same colors. Yes, Tom Breeze. Not Tom Breeze. Drew Breeze was quarterback of the Purdue Boilermakers. So I guess it's obvious who was the quarterback for Michigan. That's it. As he is being aptly called now. Tampa Tom. Tom Brady. As his Michigan Wolverines beat Drew Brees' Purdue Boilermakers 38-12 in that October the 2nd, 1999 game that was played at the big house. Which leads us now the latest round in the Drew Brees Tom Brady rivalry. I guess join that league and your rivalry all of a sudden will be the most consequential as it stands. Tom Brady and Drew Brees will lock it up again. And if you can remember that epic meeting the first time they played, there was nothing nice about it. So let me go ahead and give you this clip right here as we get you prepared, and then we will dive on into this. Tom Brady will face off Sunday in the first matchup between 40-year-old starting quarterbacks in NFL postseason history. It's by far the oldest combined age of starting quarterbacks in a playoff game. He's going to throw the ball up in the air, and that ball's going to be picked off in the Saints pickoff. Tom Brady for the third time tonight. Let's go! Brady is in an unfamiliar spot. The Saints won both games against the Buccaneers in the regular season. The first time in Brady's career, he was swept by a divisional opponent. Historically, the narrative that it's tough to beat a team three times in one year is incorrect. There have been 22 times in the Super Bowl era where a team faced an opponent a third time after winning the first two matchups. 14 of those completed a three-game sweep. Play great. Play great. Play great. Yes, sir. This is not the time to slow. This is a 
different Bucks team than the one that lost 38 to 3 to the Saints in Week 9. Since then, the Buccaneers had the highest offensive points per game rate, and they ranked second in overall offensive efficiency. But they do face a Saints defense, which has allowed the fewest points per game and recorded the most takeaways over that same period. Tampa Bay can return to the NFC title game for the first time since 2002, while New Orleans is looking to get there for the second time in three years. So, don't let history the History Channel meme fool you. Although Tom Brady's social media team gave him a lush, full head of hair next to a bald Drew Brees in the hilarious viral tweet this week that aged them an extra 30 years or so, there is a tremendous amount of mutual respect between the legendary quarterbacks who will make history once again on Sunday. Brees turned 42 on Friday, which means he and Brady will have a combined age of 85 when the New Orleans Saints host the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Sunday, 6.40 p.m. Eastern on Fox. In the first ever playoff meeting between starting QBs over 40. It will also be the first playoff matchup between the NFL's top two leaders in career touchdown passes. We were texting back and forth on Monday, just kind of chuckling at this whole scenario, right? That's 85 years and a lot of football experience that's going to be on the field on Sunday, said Breeze, who said he thought this was inevitable when Brady left the New England Patriots after 20 years and joined him in the NFC South this past season. What was that? Nine months ago, eight months ago, Breeze said, I envisioned this game happening because I knew our aspirations as a team to be in the playoffs and beyond, and I certainly knew what he was bringing to the Bucks and that talented roster. And so I think this is probably where we all envision being at this point in season. Perhaps there are some unwritten rules that suggest Breeze and Brady shouldn't be texting each other during the week of such an important playoff game. But let's get real here. There are no precedents for this type of historic matchup. Brady and Breeze, have known each other since they first played in 1999 when Brady's Michigan Wolverines trounced Breeze's Purdue Boilermakers. Maybe before a lot of guys that were on the field with were born, Breeze said. And they built a friendship and friendly rivalry ever since. Breeze ranks first in NFL history with 80,358 career passing yards, 1,100. 54 ahead of Brady. Brady ranks first with 581 TD passes, 10 ahead of 10 ahead of Breeze. He's a lot younger than me, Brady Crack. I mean, he's 18 months younger. 18 months ago, I felt pretty good. So I've got a little advanced age on him and experience, but I'm hanging in there. Eight NFL teams with fewer passing TDs than Drew Brees and Tom Brady combined. One thousand one hundred fifty-two passing TDs for Brees and Brady. How about the Falcons? One thousand one hundred twenty-nine. 
Falcons 39 QBs. 1,081 passing TDs. Bengals 32 QBs. Seattle Seahawks 26 QBs, 996 passing TDs. So let, let's put this all into perspective. Between Breeze and Brady, they have a combined 1,152 TD passes. These other numbers I'm giving you are teams like the Falcons. And it took them 39 quarterbacks to get to 1,129 passing TDs. Okay? So I want to set that narrative. Then, of course, there's the Buccaneers. 36 QBs. 880 passing TDs. The Carolina Panthers. 18 QBs. 539. Baltimore Ravens. 22 QBs. 528. Jacksonville Jaguars, 19 QBs, 521. Oh, the Houston Texans, in their time in the league, I'm going to have 15 QBs, only 409 passing TDs. So, Brady goes on to say he's had a terrific career, and he's a great player. I've known him for a long time. I've always had a great amount of respect for him, going all the way back to his Purdue days. And my roommate, when I first got to the Patriots, was from Purdue, Dave Nugent, and was really good friends with Drew. And I've always just kept up with him and gotten to know him somewhat well over the years and just think so much of him as a person and as a player. And I know what it takes to do what he's doing. He knows what it takes to do what I'm doing. Breeze admitted that he didn't like the hairline in the History Channel meme and said, unfortunately, they made me look like the dad from Family Ties while he thought Brady looked like Abraham from Biblical Times. But Breeze said it was hilarious. Fun and games aside, neither of these quarterbacks would have reached this point if they weren't among the most competitive and driven athletes in sports history. Brady wants to prove he can win a seventh title outside of New England, and the entire Bucks team wants to prove it's better than the team that got trounced by New Orleans twice in the regular season, 34-23 in week one and 30-3 in week nine. Breeze, meanwhile, wants to win a second ring before he retires which is widely expected to happen after this season. The fact that he and Brady have reached this unprecedented matchup speaks to the two guys that are playing, Buccaneers coach Bruce Arian said. They take great care of themselves and are two of the best that have ever played the game, he said. Whether they're 25 or 43 or 42, it's spectacular when those guys play. Saints defensive man Cameron Jordan joked that he knew the Buccaneers would 
be a playoff caliber team as soon as Brady arrived and blew in to his coach shell to assemble a dream team of every Merc out in the NFL game, from Rob Gronkowski to Leonard Fournette to eventually Antonio Brown. But it didn't happen overnight for Brady and the Bucks offense, who looked a little rusty in their week one meeting at the, in the Superdome and got overwhelmed in the week nine rematch. Ultimately, though, the old QB seemed to like learning some new tricks from Arians and his aggressive, no risk, no biscuit approach. Brady wound up leading the NFL in downfield throws this season with career highs of 34 completions and 88 attempts that traveled 20-plus air yards, according to ESPN Stats and Information. His 4,633 passing yards were his most since 2015. His 40 touchdown passes were his most since 2007. So now what we're going to do here before we conclude this story, we're going to now take a look at top five all-time highest playoff matchups, most combined passing TDs for starting quarterbacks. So 2020 division round, the one that's coming up now, Tom Brady and Breeze, total TDs, 1,000. 152 touchdowns. How about the 2015 AFC championship game? Yep, there would be Peyton Manning, Tom Brady. A total of 967 total TDs. How about the 2018 division round? Tom Brady, Phillip Rivers, 891 total TDs. That was in 2018. And we just can't get away from this battle of 1812, can we? The 2013 AFC Championship game, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, a combined 850 TDs. Matter of fact, let me just back this up here and give you the individual totals. So, Going into Sunday's matchup, Tom Brady has 581 TDs, career passing TDs. Drew Brees, 571. In 2015, Peyton Manning had 539 passing TDs, while Tom Brady was sitting at 428. 2018 division round between Tom Brady and Phillip Rivers Tom Brady had 517 to Phillip Rivers, 374. In 2013, Peyton Manning had 491, Tom Brady, 359. In the 2015 divisional round between Peyton Manning and Ben Roethlisberger, it was Peyton, 539, Big Ben, 272. So those are some alarming stats. And combined, they had 811 total TDs in that. So there you have the rundown on that. So back to the story. 
says, and after that flop in week nine, Tampa Bay averaged 34.6 points per game for the rest of the season, second most in the NFL. I think you're seeing a combination of hybrid combination or a hybrid of Brady and Arians. It really is unimportant what you call it. It's this year's Tampa offense, Saints coach Sean Payton said. You're seeing the timing, the down-the-field throws. I think they're operating as effectively as I've seen yet this year. I think Tom's throwing is outstanding. ESPN Buccaneers reporter Jenna Lane broke down a number of reasons why from Brown becoming a bigger part of the offense to guard Ali Marpet getting healthy to the Bucks finding more balance in the run game to Brady getting rid of the ball quicker. It's just a matter of continual growth, Arian said. The protection has been great. I think knowing his receivers inside and out now, it was a normal growing process. What remains to be seen is whether Brady and Arians can solve a Saints defense that has been a nightmare matchup for them. The Saints have physical defensive backs, including cornerback Marshawn Lattimore, who has routinely locked down receiver Mike Evans over the years, and versatile safety C.J. Gardner-Johnson, who has shown an ability to match up with receiver Chris Godwin in the slot. And the Saints' defensive line has berated Brady, who was sacked three times in each game, a total of three by the by Saints defensive end Trey Hendrickson. Brady threw two interceptions in the first meeting and three in the second, his most in a game since 2011. We know they have one of the greatest quarterbacks ever, and we need to be able to have a game plan that affects him, said Jordan, who agreed that the best defense against Brady is speeding up his clock since you're not going to surprise him or confuse him. Yeah, he's been playing football since 1980-something. He's seen every look that you can give. I saw the meme of Brady and Breeze facing off on the History Channel, and I didn't even laugh. I thought that was going to happen. I thought that was just a serious event. Never in my wildest dreams. When asked if he had anything special planned for Breeze's birthday, Peyton said, oh, just a good red zone plan, short yardage, and goal line. I think that's probably how we would want it to, Peyton added. Breeze's 20th season hasn't been his smoothest. He was heavily scrutinized for his own lack of downfield throws while the Saints started winning two. Then he missed four games in November and December because of a punctured lung and 11 broken ribs. Breeze told ESPN's Ed Warder that doctors believe he actually suffered eight of those rib fractures during the second victory over Tampa Bay, even though he continued to play a week later. Nevertheless, Breeze has continued to be one of the NFL's most efficient quarterbacks, completing 70.5% of his passes with 24 TDs and six interceptions. That has been the norm for Breeze in recent years, as he has made up for any lack of arm strength by posting the best completion percentage passer ratings and interception ratios of his career. And his best birthday gift so far is that his cast of playmakers is as complete and healthy as ever with receivers Michael Thomas and Deontay Harris 
both coming off injured reserve last week in time for the playoffs. Breeze and Thomas played a total of just 10 quarters together all season, eight of them against Tampa Bay, because Thomas was dealing with his own nagging ankle injury. Thomas caught his first TD pass of the season last week. The matchup between Thomas and standout books cornerback Carlton Davis will be one of the headliners Sunday. I think the thing that can throw Drew Brees off is we just got to be physical with the receivers, tight ends, and the running backs head. Tampa Bay linebacker Devin White, who also pointed to the need to get pressure up front. Don't let them play pitch and catch. I think that will be the biggest it factor for us. White, a Louisiana native, said he ends up getting caught up in the idea that this could be Breeze's last game. The number one thing, if I beat Drew Brees, is me and my team will go out going to the next round, White said. Then he added, but if it is his last game, I do need to get a pick and a sack off him. Breeze sidestepped the question about whether about whether he will indeed retire after this season. But he has been open about the fact that he has been embracing each season as if it could be his last since 2017. And he isn't afraid to reflect on special moments like this. When asked if he would have thought if someone had told him back in 2001 he would still be playing at age 42, he said, no way, it's crazy. My goal was just someday to become a starter in the the NFL, Breeze said. And when I first became a starter, it was, well, man, I love to take my team to the playoffs. Love to make a pro ball. And then once we accomplish those things, it's let's try to win a super, win a championship. And we win a championship, and maybe I can play 10 years. Maybe I can play 15 years. And you just kind of keep setting those goals and these benchmarks along the way. But never in my wildest dreams, back when I was a 22-year-old coming into my first training camp, would I have ever thought I'd be right here. I would be here right now, 20 years later. So what I'm going to do here, I am going to take a break and we're going to look more into this. As when I come back, we will look at Brady versus Breeze head to head. So stay tuned to the A-Train Sports Talk podcast. Your conductor, Anthony Smith. I will be back in a moment. Anthony Smith here with A-Train Sports Talk podcast, your conductor. Just want to let you know that this podcast is listener supported. That's right, driven by you, the listener, who wants to support. So click on that support button down there. You have three options, $0.99 a month, $4.99 a month, or $9.99 a month. We'll get your ad rent on this podcast. So click the support button. Your support will be greatly appreciated. Once again, Anthony Smith with the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Want to enhance your workout? Try the workout bands everyone is talking about. Three different resistance levels. Light medium, and heavy. Only at www.cakeybums.com That's www.c-a-k-e-y-b-u-m-s.com www.cakeybums.com to enhance your workout 
with the resistance bands that everyone is talking about. Hey, what's happening? It's Rick Thomas with Running the Table, and you already know you are on board the A-Train. Hang on for the ride. All right, welcome back, as now we will take a look at Brady versus Breeze head to head. So, how have their previous meetings played out? Well, here's a quick look. Let's go back to October the second, nineteen ninety nine. Michigan thirty eight, Purdue twelve. Both teams were four and zero, and Breeze was a junior Heisman hopeful who had Purdue ranked number eleven. But Brady, a senior who was still splitting time with backup Drew Henson. Well, I haven't heard that name in a long time. Pulled rank on a rainy afternoon in the big house. Brady was 15 for 25, 250 yards, two TDs, one interception. Breeze was 20 of 49 for 293 yards, one touchdown, one interception. September the 29th, 2002. Chargers 21, Patriots 14. Brady was coming off his first Super Bowl win while Breeze was starting his fifth NFL game. Brady was 36 for 53 for 353 yards, two TDs, two interceptions. Breeze was 10 for 18, 104 yards, one TD. October 2nd, 2005. Chargers 41, Patriots 17. Breeze got some more revenge on the sixth anniversary of their first meeting. Brady was 19 for 32, 224 yards, one TD, one interception. Breeze, 19 for 24, 248 yards, two TDs. The two would meet up four years later. This time, Breeze as a Saints. November 30, 2009, Saints 38, Patriots 17. The only perfect passer rating of Breeze's career kept the Saints unbeaten on a Super Bowl run. Brady was 21 for 36, 237 yards, no TDs, two interceptions. Breeze, 18 for 23, 371 yards, five TDs, zero interceptions. Perfect 158.3 passer rating. Well, four years later, on October 13th, 2013, Patriots 30, Saints 27. The Saints were 5-0, but Brady spoiled their perfect season with a TD pass with five seconds left. Brady, 25 for 43, 269 yards, one TD, one interception. Breeze, 17 for 36, 236 yards, two TDs, one interception.
Then there's another four-year wait. This time we go September 17th, 2017. Patriots 36, Saints 20. This is 40. One month after Brady's 40th birthday, he torched the Saints in the Superdome. Brady was 30 for 39, 447 yards, three TDs, no interceptions. Breeze was 27 for 45, 356 yards, two TDs, no interceptions. But once again, the Patriots win 36 to 20. And now we can fast forward. September the 13th. Three years after their matchup, here we are, September the 13th, 2020. Saints, 34, Bucks, 23. Brady and the Bucks were still a work in progress as he debuted with a new team for the first time in 20 years. Brady was 23 of 36, 239 yards, two TDs with two interceptions. Breeze was 18 for 30, 160 yards, two TDs, no interceptions. And then there's the November 8th debacle. November 8th, 2020, Saints 38, Bucks 3. An absolute stunner on Sunday night football in Tampa. Breeze's passer rating was nearly 100 points higher as the Saints' defense dominated. Breeze was 22, 38, 200. Brady, yeah, Tom Brady. 22, 38. 209 yards, no TDs, three interceptions. On the other hand, Breeze, 26 for 32, 222 yards, four TDs, no interception. So there you have the history, so to speak. Brady, Breeze. Almost makes you wonder, which history sounds more intriguing and more interesting? Would it be the Battle of 1812, Manning versus Brady, or how about the Battle of 912, Breeze, Brady? So the question now is. Did Lamar Jackson silence his critics silencing critics Baltimore Ravens Lamar Jackson has NFL MVP award could Buffalo Bills Josh Allen be next Saturday's AFC divisional game between the Baltimore Ravens and Buffalo Bills represents a historical matchup between Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen. The fourth postseason meeting in the past three decades between first-round quarterbacks from the same draft class. Others will simply see this as the Super Bowl of old takes exposed. Jackson and Allen were considered projects of the 2018 NFL draft. Three seasons later, they're the Pro Bowl quarterbacks of that class playing Saturday 8.15 p.m. Eastern on NBC 
for a trip to the AFC Championship game. Baker Mayfield, number one overall pick in 2018, was the proven winner and playmaker. Sam Darnold, the number three selection by the New York Jets, was the cleanest prospect with the prototypical frame and skill set. Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, was taken at number 10 by the Arizona Cardinals, was deemed the most pro-ready. Allen and Jackson lacked polish. They were too inaccurate. Even if they panned out, it would take five years before teams would see a return on their investments. When the Bills traded up for Allen at number seven, there were tweets that the team chose the wrong Josh. An analyst at Football Outsiders wrote, I would rather have Tyrod Taylor quarterback in my team more the next four years than Josh Allen. It was even crueler draft day for Jackson, who plummeted to the bottom of the first round before the Ravens traded to get him with the number 32 pick. This freefall came after an unnamed ACC coach was quoted as saying, Jackson has no shot at playing quarterback in the NFL. And a Chargers scout asked him at the NFL combine to work out as a wide receiver. For anybody to say these two quarterbacks when they were drafted would be playing in this type of game is lying to you, ESPN draft expert Mel Kuyper said. Did I think it was possible? Yes. In terms of Josh and Lamar, to see where they are right now, it doesn't surprise me at all. Kuyper thought Allen would go with the number one pick, and he was sure Jackson was targeted, was the targeted player when New Orleans Saints moved up to number 14. Both have since caused teams to repeatedly second-guess themselves for passing on them. Mayfield has been up and down for the Cleveland Browns. Donald could get traded by the Jets this offseason, and Rosen is on his fourth team. Meanwhile, Jackson is the reigning NFL MVP and the first quarterback in league history to have at least 5,000 yards passing and 2,500 yards rushing in his first three NFL seasons. Allen is a top three contender for the league MVP and this season, MVP award this season after becoming the first quarterback to surpass 4,500 yards passing, 35 touchdown passes, and five rushing touchdowns in a single season. Biggest uncertainties of the 2018 draft, Jackson and Allen are more like the faces of this generation's dual threat quarterbacks. I don't know many quarterbacks in the history of this league that have had, that have had as much on their plate every game as Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen, Kuyper said. They're going to dictate every play what happens. They're either running it or throwing it. If they're going to win, it's going to be because of these guys. If Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson are contained, you're not winning. That's why these two quarterbacks, only in their third year now, are incredibly special entities. A major jump. It's not just that Allen has improved improved in 2020. That would be criminally underselling his ascension into the NFL elite tier of quarterbacks. It's what he has improved at 
a rate the NFL has rarely seen. His leap from completing 58.8% of his passes in 2019 to 69.2% in 2020 marks the fourth largest such improvement over the past 20 seasons in the process. In, in the process, he's gone from the butt of mirage jokes on social media to a legitimate MVP candidate, complete with his own apology form for anyone who abandoned ship on him too quickly. I can't tell you how proud I am of him, Bill's coach Sean McDermott said. Just the way he's approached his offseason, the way he's approached camp, training camp, very humble approach, very hungry approach, and very team-first approach, which is, it's a great foundation from which to build on. That improvement in his accuracy has amplified his most special quality, his arm talent. It's difficult to pinpoint one of Allen's skills as more prevalent than the others, but his ability to make throws that only one or two quarterbacks can make is what sets him apart. He made a series of throws during Buffalo's playoff win against the Indianapolis coach that fit the bill. From his own four-yard line, Allen fielded a snap, rolled to his right, and lobbed a ball 37 yards downfield to Gabriel Davis, who toe-tapped the sideline for the completion. Two plays later, he did the same thing on the other side of the field, throwing across his body for a 19-yard gain. He's a He's special. This is a special group. Josh is almost like a character on Madden, a 99 overall. Bills lineman Deion Dawkins said, he just keeps doing it week in and week out. I'm happy to call him my quarterback, and I'm happy to block for him. While his arm strength allows him to throw on the run, Allen was the league's most accurate passer from inside the pocket this season, completing 72.9%. And he is still proficient as a runner, finishing with third most rushing touchdowns, eight, among quarterbacks this season, whether with his arm or his legs. Allen is a playmaker. That ability to make something of nothing, however, still gets Allen into trouble every now and then. Allen took a 17-yard sack on Buffalo's final drive of the game against the Colts, but lost six yards in the ball when he kept fighting to stay upright. Those types of plays occur far less often than they did during his first two seasons, but they could be disastrous in the playoffs, which seems to be a lesson he learned from a ridicule-filled playoff debut against the Houston Texans last season. We were able to take what he learned last year and take it into this game, Allen said after the Colts' victory, not trying to press or do too much let the game come to us. That's what we did. Made enough plays to win. I'm still kicking myself for a couple of plays. You have to forget about it and focus on next week. It doesn't mean what we did is back to 0-0. Whatever team we face, they're 0-0, and they're coming into our house. Of course, Buffalo will face the Ravens, who bullied Allen into one of his worst performances of this of his 2019 season. Consider Saturday a shot at redemption. So what I'm going to do now, moving forward, 
we're going to look at scrambling to save a season. The only reason Jackson is set to do it, Allen, is that Jackson decided to come back with a vengeance. The low point of Jackson's season came on Thanksgiving when he tested positive for COVID-19. He knew the struggling Ravens needed him, but he was forced to watch helplessly. Toward the end of his 10-day quarantine, Baltimore lost his third straight game to drop to 6-5. and five. When he returned, he didn't play like he felt the pressure of five weeks of muscle situations. Jackson put defenses on their heels, scrambling for touchdowns and hitting receivers downfield for scores. This week, for the first time all season, Jackson acknowledged what changed up on his return, his mindset. I'm just attacking the game more, being more aggressive, Jackson said. I'll say in the beginning of the season, I was conservative a lot, just staying back and getting sacked a lot more. But as the season went on, when things break down, my first read is not there. Second read is not there. I take advantage of what the defense gives me. What makes Jackson special is his athleticism and the fear it puts in defenders when he hits open space. No one else in the NFL can run a near sack and 10-yard loss into a touchdown run in a blink. In Sunday's wildcard win over the Titans, Jackson escaped a collapsing pocket on 39 and sprinted 48 yards in the end zone. His maximum speed was 20.52 miles per hour on that run. The wildest part, that was his third fastest run of the season, according to NFL Next Gen stats. The biggest improvement in Jackson's game can be seen when he's had time in the pocket, which is usually off play action. The Ravens led the NFL in rushing for his second straight season, and Jackson has used that to his advantage more toward the end of the season, unlike any other time. Jackson will sell the fake handoff to his running back so well that he turns his back to the defense. He then whips his head around too quickly to quickly diagnose the coverage of the safeties. Over the past six games, eight of Jackson's 68 completions inside the pocket, an average of one per 8.5 passes, have been touchdowns. The only quarterback who's had a better touchdown rate inside the pocket in that span is Aaron Rodgers. Lamar Jackson doesn't get the credit as a pocket passer, ESPN analyst Matt Hasselbeck said. This might sound crazy. In the last month of the season, I think he's been playing better than any quarterback in the NFL from the pocket. The next step in Jackson's development is stretching the field. That was a point of emphasis in training camp, and he has failed to consistently throw on target deep passes. Jackson's completion rate on passes that travel 20 or more yards is 37.5%, which ranks 24th in the NFL. He's thrown five touchdowns and four interceptions on such passes. But it was just a few days ago when Jackson was questioned for his inability to win in the postseason and rally his team from a double-digit hole. On Sunday, he pulled Baltimore from a 10-0 first-quarter deficit to deliver his first victory in the playoffs. The conversation that some people have heard from Lamar was, he can't, he can't, he can't. 
ESPN analyst Dan Orlowski said, There are some who thought he could. There is a difference between knowing and thinking. He now knows he can do it. His team now knows he can do it. It's not only the Ravens who believed in Jackson. The quarterback stand across the field Saturday and who understands more than anyone else about conquering doubts did so as well. I tell this to everybody I talk to about him. He is one of the greatest dudes you can be around. He really is, Allen said. I root heavily for him just knowing what he went through his first year, how he's been able to do it, and how humble and awesome he is off the field. It's hard not to root for him, even when you're playing against him. But we're enemies on Saturday, and we both know that. But I can't say enough about how good of a dude he is, and it makes you love him that much more on the field. So there you have a look at history of quarterbacks of Drew Brees and Tom Brady. Old men, the seniors of the league, and the up-and-coming, the Josh Allens and the Lamar Jacksons. There's another old man that's going to be playing, too, as well. He's in Green Bay. That would be Aaron Rodgers. But there's going to be two young guys playing as well, too. Talking about Patrick Mahomes versus Baker Mayfield. And they, too, have some history as well. But what I'm going to do is I am going to actually save that conversation for tomorrow as my special guest and possibly my co-host would be on with me tomorrow. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring this session to an end. I thank you for tuning in to the A-Train Sports Talk podcast. This is your conductor, Anthony Smith, and I'm just having a blast. And I hope you who listen are thoroughly entertained by the content. And as I get me a co-host in the near future, I will probably broaden my content and my horizon. Uh, Just to give you a quick disclaimer, some of the people that I will be interviewing coming up, probably within the near future, Probably won't be all sports related as I will actually be seeking sponsorship and supporting certain businesses and in return, hopefully get support from those same businesses. And some of the people I will be interviewing will be people that actually are business owners and are CEOs, uh, one in particular. This one called Hoodfessional dot Hoodfessional Incorporated LLC. And I will leave a link to how you can get in contact with them in my description. But they have a very profound entity going on. As a matter of fact, I'm wearing some of their wrist bracelets right now. One supporting breast cancer awareness, another one supporting autism. So you will get to know different people from different walks of life. All won't be sports related. The dominant, the dominance of my podcast though, however, is sports, but there will be those moments where 
I will interview people that have something going on, like I said, and, you know, bring you in contact with them, let you know who they are. And like I say, I'm looking to pick up sponsors for my podcast. Like I said, in concluding my other podcast, it's time for us to help each other out. I'll say this again. It's not about your political affiliation, but it's about us as people. Red, yellow, black, or white. Does that sound familiar? Some of us grew up in church. Some of us are still in church. But we used to sing a song, Jesus loves the little children of the world. Red, blue, yellow, black, or white, they're all precious in his sight. So those of you, my listeners out there, you are precious in my sight. And if you have a business and you want to advertise on here, just click on that support button because this podcast is listener supported, which is driven by you, the listeners. And if you have a business and you want it to be highlighted, all it is is us helping each other out. So until the next time, I'm in here. I'm here in Wichita, Kansas. I'm trying to stay warm because it's cold out. So wherever you're at, if the weather's not to your liking, if it's too hot, try to stay cool. If it's too cold, try to stay warm. Until next time, A-Train Sports Talk Podcast, your conductor, Anthony Smith. I am signing off. Take care. God bless.